Hey everyone, welcome here to the Extra Podcast. This is episode 255. Uh, we're glad you could be here with us today and to listen with us today. Around the table with me, I have Paul. Hey, good to be back. Greg. Hi. And Kyle. Hey Matt, how are you doing today? It's good to I'm be here. I'm really good today. Hey wait, you guys co-taught a course. We did. On Saturday about C.S. Lewis and philosophy and stuff. And I heard you guys open up the doors in West Court. <laughs> and what happened after that? Well, the first thing that happened was all the flies were attracted to the fragrances in the mm. room. About, Kyle said earlier today, he counted 1,400 flies. Wow. A slight exaggeration oh, to okay. make, make a point. Actually, the, the flies were left over from... Um, Friday night, the young adults had their meeting in there and the fly, they had the doors open, which is great, but the flies just kind of lingered in there. The young adults left, but the flies stayed and they stayed through much of Saturday. So the flies so, were attracted yeah. to the young adults. Yeah. That's the truth It's here. the body odor that emanates. Just like the young adults were attracted to the other young adults. Oh. So were the flies. So no. did the flies, do, would they have um, <laughs> exceeded maximum occupancy then? Was that how many there were? We might have broken some fire yeah, codes. Right. Yeah. The second thing that happened too was the cottonwood uh, formed a thick layer on the ground. Mm. Um, nobody seemed bothered by it though. Probably Tim would have been after the fact. Tim's our facility guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it was good. So it was like snow on the ground. Yeah, snow. In West Court? Snow. It was in like it was like Narnia. Late. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> you had beasts and snow. Beasts, flies. Did they talk? They yeah. probably did just really <laughs> quietly because they're tiny. <laughs> That's what the buzzing was. I don't know. Oh. oh yeah, yeah. All right. It went. It went well. <laughs> People were so enthralled by Kyle's voice that they didn't even notice the flies. No, no, no. Maybe they're so captivated by the fact that I'm actually have a little bit of hair gel Ooh. on oh, my yeah. head now, and and it made for like a fly trap. What's your brand? I don't know. I stole some for my sons. I don't know what. For a fly trap. I don't know what kind it is. Is it dippity do? No, it's just like in a, just in a tube yeah. of gel. Is it um, President's Choice? Do they make ginger gel? Isn't it got, got to be? There's one that's that oh, one. Oh yeah, I think, you know, got I think to be glued. The, I think the brand for uh, Superstore is like Equate or something. Oh, like oh Equate, yeah, yeah. Kirkland, yeah. Costco. Kirkland, oh, Kirkland. could be. How many more hair gel brands? keeps them from falling out is good. <laughs> All right. So last week we had a contest. Who could name Oh yeah. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's brother who also played in the NHL. The first responder was the winner what of this. What was the answer? I can't. Well, hold on. I'm not done. Um, <laughs> okay. the, the prize was a signed copy of Andy's book, Thinking. And Maybe Poochie's holding it up I'm just holding so it. you guys can see it. It says, thanks for listening to the extra podcast. Love God, love people, Andy Steiger. So th this is yours to keep. It will be at the front desk, and you can pick it up during our normal office hours. Uh, the answer was Brent Gretzky. He Great. played in the AHL. Brent Gretzky. Somebody tried to say it was Keith as well. It was a trick question, but it was not Ooh. Keith because he didn't play in the AHL. He just tried to. Oh, he so I would. So he was drafted? No, maybe no. It wasn't even. So okay. I was. He I was right. Tried that, to play because I said I thought it was Keith Gretzky. He's a scout now, though. Oh, so because he watched he watched his brother play a lot of hockey, so he has a lot of experience in watching other people play hockey. Yeah, 
Nice. So now he knows how to draft draft the next Gretzky. So I have the envelope. Do you want me to open it? Yeah, maybe we could get a drum roll. Okay, that's enough. We gotta hear the crinkling of the envelope. Oh, there it is. Matt, this is really... It's in there. Twice in here. And it is... The winner is Lisa Bolt. <laughs> so, so you have won a signed copy of the book Thinking... You can pick that up at the office. Thinking? We got to use the symbol more. No. Office we, hours. We, we needed more. <laughs> when are our regular office hours? Uh, come between 8.30 and 4 and you'll be fine. Okay. So that'll be at the front desk for you. Just talk to Stephanie. And say, I'm Lisa Bolt. I'm Lisa Bolt. I want Andy's book. She'll be like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get into some questions here. Uh, so our first question actually uh, comes in from no one, but we're going to ask anyways. All right. <laughs> Why is there a push in Western culture to boycott companies and products that support a traditional view of marriage and the family? So, Paul, you have a little bit of background context for this, right? Right. Yeah. So um, uh, a news article just over the last, what was it, four or five days ago when the mayor of New York City called for or said that he would not be patronizing the Chick-fil-A establishment in Manhattan and he said uh, he would encourage real New Yorkers to not go there as well and now that seem that might seem odd to you because it's like well what's the guy against the chicken sandwich because chicken sandwiches are delicious right Kyle they are delicious. We Chick-fil-A is uh, if I mean if you've ever spent any time in the US or maybe you just visited there Chick-fil-A is delicious, and um, they have incredible customer service, really. If you compare it to other fast food chains, it's, it's miles above the rest just in the way they treat you and everything like that. So they're, they're really good, good place to dine, good, good food, everything's good. So what's wrong with Chick-fil-A? Well, a couple years ago, even though the company doesn't hold this stance officially, the owner of Chick-fil-A said that he supported a traditional view of marriage. And this was this happened actually while I was living in Florida, and then one of the uh, Christian politicians called for a Chick Fil A day, and then Chick Fil A's actually sold out of food. Um, there, they made apparently in one day they made as much money or almost as much money as they make in a whole quarter as a chain. So they went it went crazy for this one day because people were supporting them. But anyway, um, so they so the the culture at large though. You have um, the people from the LGBTQ, uh, the the radical agenda on that side of things. I'm not saying everybody with that viewpoint has a, a radical um, approach to it or a, a like a culture changing approach. But but there's people uh, in politics, in the media, in entertainment who really want to uh, basically bully the rest of the culture into into agreeing with their agenda. Hmm. And so now we're seeing this happen from major political figures as well, and we're seeing this happen in terms of um, we're seeing this happen now here in the in New York City, where we have the mayor calling for a boycott of a business that's legally running that a business that officially says you know we we will serve anybody that comes through those doors regardless of anything, regardless of religion, race, sexual orientation. We don't discriminate. We will serve you, and we will serve you with pleasure, and we'll do the best we can. And yet. Because one person in the organization said they 
supported uh, mm -hmm. traditional marriage, mm -hmm. the mayor is calling to boycott it. Mm. So this this kind of shows this kind of bold uh, speaking by a politician in this kind of way is is pretty new. This wouldn't have happened. I mean, even if you look um, a number of well within what maybe two election cycles ago, you would never have had politicians saying things along these lines. But yet now, even in Canada, we have uh, political parties who say that they won't allow anybody to run if they aren't in favor of these kinds right. of uh, culture changing agendas. So, right. uh, so what's the deal? How do we handle this? So, a few things. First of all, we should mention that the that Mayor de Blasio's comments actually has had like zero impact on on the sale of the chicken in, in New York. And there's other writers sure. and people of different New York newspapers who are like, actually, your reasoning's awful because there's all kinds right. of other restaurants in New York that are like owned by mobsters or are like celebrating mob <laughs> culture in right. New York where people have actually been killed, where the mayor's like, hey, everyone right. needs to come eat at this deli. So... People, I think, are seeing through this as as pandering to the majority. Yeah, and this isn't new for for people in positions of power to to be able to lick their finger and stick it in the air, see where the wind is blowing, and then choose their words t to pander to that group. So I think if you look in the past, maybe it's not comments about traditional marriage, but it may be comments about other kinds of things. And so mm -hmm. you think of the civil rights movement and how people before that really picked up steam, how you would have people defending the status quo because that's what the majority view was held in certain areas. And in different areas, they were right on board with the civil rights movement because that's where the majority was in their area. So I I think this is more just people in power doing, uh, just pandering to the view of the perceived majority. I, I think, so I, I'm not convinced that this is new. I don't think there's anything new under the sun. I think where, where we're feeling it is in an area that, that goes against what we believe <clears throat> the Bible to be clearly speaking about in terms of what a marriage ought to be. Um, and so we, we feel it more than maybe in, in the past. But So to me, I, I chalk it up to this is just politicians pandering to special interest groups that are going to get them further. And so and to not do so would be perceived as harming their their agenda moving forward mm -hmm. is that too simplistic of an answer or you're so cynical against politicians yeah. Craig. <laughs> I, i'm not saying every politician is this Just way lump them all in or one that category no i already got in trouble for for broad brushing it i i just when i see things like this this is a reminder i think of people who their their campaigns are funded by certain people and the majority is going in a certain direction. So the best way to keep your power is to speak accordingly. But Kyle, you might have a different take on this. Well, I mean, in, in a, in a positive way, these things provide us with opportunities to, to engage in the discussion and to bring up these topics mm. and to show, um, and, or to ask, you know, what's the rationale for that mm. and to listen and then, provide you know other questions and other rationale so every, every kingdom has a king mm -hmm. and the, the the king of our culture isn't a person or you know a position the king of our culture is our our, our ourselves is the individual 
And so the, the law of our culture basically is if you don't offend anyone else or cause harm to society, you can do and believe and think and act any way you want to. So Chick-fil-A is seen as maybe infringing upon um, by what the president said, not mm-hmm. by what the company actually policy is, but by what the company says, they're seen as infringing upon the individual. They're, they're going against the king. Right. Um, so we as Christians can say, well, we have a, a different king. Uh, the early church said that Jesus is, is Lord, Christ is Lord. And that wasn't just a, a you know, a warm, fuzzy feeling worship song right. that they would you yeah. know, chant to one another and encourage one another with. That was, those were fighting words because mm-hmm. in that culture, you had to say Caesar is king. Mm-hmm. In our culture, we're being um, pushed to say that the self is king, uh, but we can say that Jesus is king. Mm-hmm. But I think what we're seeing with this kind of thing, and when the when we have politicians and entertainers, um, for instance, who are boycotting going to mm. North Carolina, so mm-hmm. somebody like Bruce Springsteen, and I think there were others. Oh, PayPal was going to open an office there, or something like that. And, uh, then, and then they chose not to. And then they chose Elton not John to. Too. Pardon? Elton John, I think. Yeah, probably uh, a whole bunch of any <clears throat> mainstream entertainers boycotted going there because they passed this new law that said that um, only men can use men's bathrooms. Mm. Like if you're born a man, not that you identify as a man. Uh, And so you have entertainers boycotting this when, I mean, for for most of us, we hear that and we're just, okay, this kind of defies logic, right? That that we even have to create a law that says this, this is, Mm. but this is the culture we're in. And and, uh, the Christian viewpoint from from the, against the majority culture, we're being we're being pushed to the margins uh, more and more. And this is just something that, that I think we're, we're just seeing it more and more. And it's just something we mm. should take notice of, mm-hmm. not necessarily that we have to uh, react in any way or anything, but um, it just, it's going to call for us to, mm. to, to uh, defend uh, the faith that we have to be in re- regardless of the situation we get into. We're going to have to, know the culture that we're facing and know how to engage that culture with our faith. How do we engage the culture with the gospel in this kind of a situation? It's different than it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Kyle gave a devotional to our staff meeting this morning about this very topic. How how do we engage in a culture that has areas where a critique is, is needed so Kyle, here's this, here's my throwing a, a slow pitch to you to to batter up and retell what you. Yeah, just a couple words from Jesus and then from Paul. Um, I think we need to have two things that are in tandem in our minds, and they they seem to be intention in one way. Um, so Jesus says, you know, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, and and Matthew ten, uh, but then encourages us to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. So these mm. these two contrasting images of serpents yeah. and and shrewdness and wisdom with the the harmlessness of, and innocence of a dove. He says you need to be both. Mm. You need to ha- be both a serpent and a dove. Bring those together. It- so as you speak into the culture, you need to be able to, in Paul's words then, yeah. um, in Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love. So mm. you, you need both. You need both truth that there is some there is some objective standard outside of an individual personal preference because we're made in God's image. Mm-hmm. We're made by God. And so there needs to be that angle of truth, and we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There needs to be that truth, mm. but it needs to be spoken and presented um, in, in love. I was just talking to one of our staff uh, members right after the right after the devotional, 
and she was talking about a um, a project at um, UFV, and um, the person that that she had to do the project with was homosexual. And as they're doing the project and talking, um, the person found out that she was a Christian, and the person was really surprised mm-hmm. that a Christian was actually you know treating him as a person, mm-hmm. <laughs> treating him right. nicely within mm-hmm. that that class context. Mm-hmm. So it's really sad that you know people can see us and as mm-hmm. Christians and maybe only only hear the truth or only you know see the the serpentine you know sting of of mm-hmm. accusation of right. what God's standard is without seeing the the innocence of the dove and the the love that right. should be uh, connected to that so people should be really really confused about us as Christians um, man you guys are really really nice mm. and and kind and generous and giving of yourselves yeah. and warm and welcoming mm-hmm. totally but you you have this like really rigid, odd, outdated standard that you stand on mm. and it's rooted in the Bible and that's an ancient book. And you know, why are you so insanely ancient mm. and, but yet so kind? Mm. So that, that tension that Jesus presents to us and Paul presents to us as far as you know, keeping those two things in tandem, serpents and doves, truth and love, as people see that, it should cause tension in their own mind about, well, what is it about this? real Christian person that's causing me such confusion. And I think it's such a, it's such a great image because I think we all lean one way or the other. We have a natural bent. I don't think anyone's naturally predisposed to be both wise and innocent to be both. Yeah, loving Jesus got it right truthful. all the time, but no one else gets it right all the time. And so, because to some of us, we f- we feel the sting of right. I I actually need to be more committed to uh, absolute truth and to the Bible as as the source of it. And some of us need to be reminded more of man. I actually need to watch my tone and I need to check my heart to see am I just uh, is the truth I'm proclaiming right, but the manner in which I'm viewing the issue totally unloving. So it's a really it, this is going to be the challenge moving forward as we continue to to do church and preach the gospel in a culture that's not not predisposed to be warm towards it, it mm. it's predisposed to be against it we i was actually uh, last night we i was reading um a, a martin lloyd jones quote and his statement about um in second corinthians 4 about that unbelievers have a veil where they can't see the truth and know it and love it and his comment was that unbelief is not a, a neutral stance. It's an active stance that unbelief is actually something that people engage in. It's not just non-belief. It's, it's unbelief that they don't, they intentionally don't believe. And so we're, we're not just going into a, a neutral standpoint we're, we're going with the gospel into a place and into people's lives who are actively unbelieving Jesus and his word. And so as we're engaging those active unbelievers, we, we need to be wise and, and harmless. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good word. Can I make a recommendation at this point? Mm. Um, pause this, whether you listen to an iPhone or your computer, pause this, download the, one of the most recent bonus podcasts. It deals with this issue and, and discussing these topics mm. in really practical, really, really helpful ways. Uh, so stop listening to us and listen to Crystal and Thalia, uh, two pastors here as they uh, work in um, 
you know, women's ministry and the care department. Hmm. Um, and they have a bonus podcast. Go there, listen to one of the most recent ones. It'll be really, really helpful uh, to you on this topic. Okay, I think that's a good uh, trans- transition point as well to move forward. Because everyone's paused and aren't listening to us right now anyway. Yeah, so when they come back. Yeah, so when they come back. a new one. Yeah. Hey, welcome back. Hey. Welcome back. Hopefully that was the encouraging. Extra podcast, episode 255. Thanks for listening this to the bonus producer. podcast. That was, I'm, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. All right, I just want to nuance this question a bit. Um, we're dealing with the boycotting of products. And so on the flip side... Should Christians boycott products and companies that disagree with their values or our values? Well, I think, um, I mean, if you know that um, it, it, you, you kind of basically have to appeal to your own conscience with this yeah. mm-hmm. and appeal to the scriptures. And, and uh, so if you know that a company is engaging in um, behavior that is harmful to other people mm. made in God's image, um, then you know you should pray about that. Um, but I don't. I don't think there's a. Uh, I don't think there's a, a a scripture that tells us to do such things. So um, yeah, just pray about it and uh, go with what you what you feel that your conscience is telling you on a certain issue. I mean, I can't think of a company. I mean, I know uh, of years ago, people would talk about Walmart. Like there was there was cameras that went to Walmart and followed them, mm. or went into their their uh, facilities where they were making clothes in different countries. And then you see these like little kids making clothes and stuff like that. But and people are like, oh, they shouldn't do that because or we shouldn't shop there anymore. And so people are calling to boycott them. And yet Walmart's still like parking lots full. So. <laughs> I guess not that many people are boycotting it, but uh, but the other thing on that on the other side of the equation, from the people in the country where it's happening, they don't have the same work standards that we do. So when you're trying to hold other countries to the standards that we are, mm. it's difficult because over there these kids are going, well, yeah, I know I'm only bringing home a dollar a day, but that dollar a day is feeding my family every day. So. Yeah, there's a lot of things to think about and pray about. and uh, You can tell our hesitancy to become legalistic about this. Yeah. That there there are times and circumstances where, for the sake of conscience and following Jesus, we need to say no. What we're talking about here are, are issues um, where there, there's clear immoral activity. We're not saying view you know, think through and, and pray about not doing certain acts of sin yourself. Like objectively, right. we're, we're saying if you're engaging in something like buying a chicken sandwich from a company and you find out that they use some of that money to fund this, this thing that you don't agree with. So is buying the chicken sandwich immoral? No, you're buying a chicken sandwich. It's not morally good or, or, Bad. I mean, I guess some people would say buying a Chick Fil A sandwich is morally good. You guys both really like Chick Fil A. I'm looking at Kyle and Paul. That was a joke. Well, so if we go, if we if, so say from the other side of the coin on this, um, on the the cultural revolution we're seeing in terms of homosexuality and transgender stuff, you have uh, at the forefront you have companies pushing on that side of the equation, saying saying yes, we are for um, complete. 
um, transgender rights and 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 homosexual rights and all that along along those lines, gay marriage and every and all that. Mm. Uh, and you have companies such as Apple at the forefront of that. You have companies like uh, Coca Cola. Oh man. And Disney. No. So you've got like three of the biggest brands in the world that are actively pursuing that agenda. And so if you as look a at, Christian, totally. are you going to not take your kids to Disneyland anymore? Well, not only that, are you going to look at the corporation charts and see how many corporations those three corporations actually own? Yeah, that too. And say, okay, well, now I'm not going to, not only just not going to buy Coca-Cola, but I'm going to look at a chart and see all the different companies they own. Right. Because maybe that baby food that I buy to feed I'm also my toddler. Not, I'm also not going to buy Aquafina water. Yeah. Or Dasani. I think it's Dasani is Coke. Powerade. Powerade. Yeah. So what, like I just, we, we say that to show the complexity of the issue, not to, yep. not to denigrate it, to say, hey, it's not, it's unimportant to think about right. these kinds of things. But at some point we, you have to think about. Yeah. The yeah. scriptures actually command believers to, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, Jesus, and um, to obey the governing authorities, Paul. So the, the. Right, Caesar in Jesus' time and the governing authority in Paul's time, you know, the the Roman Empire, they were not innocent. Mm. No. <laughs> um, so we're to honor the ruling authorities, but then the question becomes, what about the the areas that we have a little more freedom in our, our money with and our interaction? And the only way to really be free from this question is to develop your own commune, your own society yep. secluded from everything else. Mm-hmm. But then you're not being, you know, in the culture and involved right. in the culture and salt and light in the culture. Right. And to so make there's sure, really no win. And to make sure that the like company you buy your tools from isn't owned by a corporation. I'll make them myself. I've seen Minecraft. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and even doing that though, you aren't going to get away. You aren't going to get away in a, in a commune like the Amish. Um, they have their own little hierarchies within their, mm-hmm. within their communities. And believe me, there's sin there. Mm. And they think they're getting away from sin because they're staying away from the culture because they think sin is coming from outside, but it's not. Sin comes from within our own heart. Mm-hmm. And everything that flows out of our mouths and, and in our actions is coming from our heart. Yeah, so. so this should open our eyes to how messed up and broken the whole world system is and make us long all the more for Christ to return and to restore things, to make things right once again. Uh, and in the meantime... You know, do our best by God's guidance among God's people to be as faithful as we can. Good. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, we're going to move on now. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the King James Version Bible yes. versus other texts and the reliability of them and uh, which one we should be reading. Uh, Greg received a comment, and if you could just give us some background on that conversation and and so on. Yeah, so um, I'm going to, a listener, I'm going to trust that this listener quoted me well. Um, I didn't re-listen to the episode where I I said this, but the listener quotes me as saying that that I made the the case that those who view the King James Version as the best translation, that I said these words, the King James Version is not only a better translation, but is actually God's inerrant word. And that this view, that the King James Version is actually God's inerrant word, this is the core of the viewpoint for the King James Version only camp. So this listener pointed out 
correctly that this isn't the view held by every single person who prefers the King James Version over other versions. Um, so thank you to the listener for, for clarifying that. I probably spoke with too broad of a brush. Um, what I what I was trying to communicate at that point is that there are people who do teach and who are engaged in ministry who view the King James Version as the only reliable and trustworthy source for God's inerrant word to us. And so they would make the case, again, this isn't everybody, but there are those who would make the case that to view another, to, to use another version or translation of the Bible, as opposed to using the King James Version, is to use a lesser quality of God's Word than the King James Version is. So what what I was dealing with was a, a, a subset of people who would view the King James Version as the only trustworthy English version of the Bible. Now, there is a more nuanced conversation that needs to happen. The word of the mm-hmm. day should be nuance. <laughs> Pucci said it a few times. I think right. I've said it a few times. Because there are people who view that the who have the view that the King James Version is not necessarily the only view or, or the only trustworthy source, but is the preferred one. And Kyle, this is way more in your realm than it is my own. So I'm gonna defer to you to talk about how, how does the translation issues and the King James Version and all that, how, how does that play out in a bigger scale in terms of preference and all that? Yeah, so the King James 1611, that's the standard version. Um, the authorized version. Authorized. That's been greatly used by God in, in, in tremendous ways uh, around the world mm. to show us who who God is as mm. as people need to know who Christ is and who God is. Um, but the, and the, the writer's correct to say that if somebody prefers a King James version doesn't make them a King James only type of person mm-hmm. um, within that discussion. Uh, basically, this boils down to which text text types, textual uh, variants you want to take. There's uh, upwards of s- over 6,000 Greek manuscripts and 27,000 ancient manuscripts of the Bible. Mm. Um, you know, as you go through and, and look at all the different ancient manuscripts and compare those to, to produce um, an accurate translation today. Mm. There are three basic Greek text types. Um, you have the Alexandrian text type. And this, okay, if you think of a map of the Mediterranean, so you got Egypt, Alexandria. You have texts that uh, were uh, have been discovered around Alexandria. You have texts that have been discovered in the Byzantine Empire or um, Turkey. We have a team going to Turkey here mm-hmm. shortly to serve there. We heard from some people ser- work, living and working in Turkey over this past missions weekend. So that's the the Byzantine or the and the most most texts that we have of the Greek are from the Byzantine majority texts, right. roughly around Turkey. Then you have the Western text type uh, around Italy, roughly. Mm-hmm. So those three, most of the ancient manuscripts we have are from the Byzantine, and so the the texts that fed into the 1611 King James were were from that text type. That, um, but now the new King James looks more at all of those uh, Byzantine majority texts and weighs the majority over some of the earlier, older ones. So you have two questions. Um, you know, which which reading um, is is in most manuscripts, and then which reading is in the earliest manuscripts. So as you try to balance all those questions, um, that's what that's what current um, translators try to do is try to figure out, okay, what does this text mean? Uh, what did the original autograph 
communicate, mm. and they try to piece that together. So we're only talking about a very, very small um, number of incidences and largely spelling differences or differences in prepositions. There's no major doctrinal issue that's at stake with different translation or different uh, text types. Um, but the the King James question and the new King James question uh, goes back to which text type you're going to give preference to in the midst of trying to assemble the most accurate translation today. Right. So when we read our NIV or ESV and we get to the end of Mark, we see something, we see a little quotation or brackets or something mm-hmm. that says uh, the following verses are not in the oldest uh, manuscripts. And so you have some people and some scholars who believe that those verses actually, they, inclu- they shouldn't be in the Bible mm-hmm. because they weren't in the original manuscripts. But then you have others such as men and uh, scholars in the King James camp who believe that yes, they should be because um, the King James, the sources for the King James are the ones that should be used because they're the majority. Hmm. So if you keep it in there and then people do some snake handling stuff, mm-hmm. you get lots of good results around, like this is a ser- th- like this has serious implications. It's not just a, something you t- think right. about in ivory towers because yeah. if, if that's actually a, a, so tra- there are, a transcultural... Yeah, there's churches in yeah. the south, like Tennessee, I think, is kind of where the majority of them are, where they do snake handling as a part of their worship service because of the end of chapter... or because of, yeah, the end of Mark. But once in a while, a pastor gets bit and then he dies. Hmm. He didn't which, have the faith. Which goes against what the verse says. Yeah. So yeah, this is a, this is a deep conversation as far as textual variants and text types and, and variations. So we should uh, recognize that there's no other ancient manuscript that has nearly the uh, the ancient attestation that the New Testament has, nor the the number of manuscripts that the New, Tes- New Testament have. So we're we we stand on historically solid ground yeah. to understand what the apostles wrote while they were crafting the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Right. Great. Well, what else um, you got for us? Is that it? I think that's going to be it for today. Uh, your word of the day today is nuance. N U A N C E. Now you had to you had to look that up, didn't you, Pucci? I did. A subtle difference in or shade of meaning, expression, or sound. Sound. That's what it says. Like there a, you go. Like a Nuance. Sh- like a sh- sound? <laughs> a slightly different sound? <laughs> Is that how Sean Connery... A slightly different that, sound. That's how he gets away wow. with saying everything d- poorly? Who else can you make fun of, Paul? <laughs> what other voices do you have? That's pretty good. I don't know. Are you a bit of an, imp- of a bit of an impressionist? I, I'm, I'm, I can be. Come on. Don't give us so, one or two. Do a Christopher like, Walken. Don't be so humble. What do you have? Come on. I, I'm, I'm on the spot. spot. Right I, I'm getting nervous. Clear your you're, throat. You're going to have to start working on your President Trump. President Trump. Uh, I've never practiced Trump. You've practiced. Come on. No. Like you practice no. in front of a mirror. That's what you do when like, in you're in front of a mirror. <laughs> at the dinner table? Just, no. Maybe if I'm driving. Oh, yeah. Fair and enough. I hear somebody and then I think it's funny and then I... Okay, give us a little taste to sign us off. Um, uh, what, if Sean Connery again? Whatever. What do you want? Okay, this is just going sure, down. Yeah, Connery. Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery? Okay. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast today. That was pretty good. That was good. 
All right, this is uh, Matt, your producer, signing off, episode 255.